makes you happy? And I don't know what popped into your mind, but it could have been things like family, food, holidays, cruises, time out, friends, iPhone, uh, chocolate, a good movie, <laughs> um, a night off, maybe, for, for mums. Um, but I have a question. Is happiness joy? Is happiness joy? Today, we're going to explore a story, which we're going to see on the screen now. It's taken straight from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And kids, you're welcome to watch this while you're doing what you're doing if you want to. Uh, and this is going to be our passage from the Bible that we're going to look at today. So have a look at the screen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. This is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time, the star. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And 
having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The wise men. It's interesting Christmas traditions. In fact, when you peel back a lot of our Christmas traditions, some actually aren't in the Bible. And these wise men, uh, a lot about them is, is not known. What you heard is what is said. What we know is that they are from the east. How far east? Some say Persia. Some say maybe India. Some say even as far as China. Um, but we can't be sure. What we do know is that they obviously were scholars and perhaps uh, intellectuals of their day. And what we do know is they had some affiliation with astrology. They obviously knew and studied the stars and were interested in them. So we could call them stargazing bookworms, these guys. Um, they uh, were um, scholars. We do sing a song sometimes called We Three Kings of Orient Are. But scripturally, in the Bible, never says there's three, and it doesn't say they're kings. So, um, but it's still a nice song anyway. <laughs> uh, and there's no indication that they were Jews. Uh, that they were most likely not Jews. And in Bible times, people who weren't Jews were called Gentiles. So why would these guys come? Well, the first thing about these guys that is something for you to take home today is that these guys were searching men. They were searching for something. And uh, in the Bible... Uh, it talks about very much in the first part of the Bible, in the Old Testament, about a coming king, about a Messiah. And uh, this word travelled beyond Israel, beyond, beyond that little, little nation. It, this word had travelled that for the Jews there was a coming king, a Messiah. In fact, if these guys were scholars, if these guys were people who read through the ancient writings, uh, what we call the Old Testament, they would have discovered authors like Daniel. Daniel was an author who wrote a book of the Bible that talks a lot about the future. In fact, so much so, uh, we talked about this going back actually in the very first week, uh, a little bit of this series, that, that Daniel interpreted a dream for a king that said there would be nations and at the time, Daniel lived under, Ro under Babylonian Empire, but he said, your empire is going to fall to another empire called the Medo-Persians, and your empire is going to fall to the Greeks, and your empire is going to fall to the Roman Empire. And that is the era, that Roman Empire is the era in which this Christmas story is taking place. But that story that was known through these guys studying didn't end there. It didn't end with the Roman Empire. It ended with another, uh, well, a breakdown of that Roman Empire and then a coming king that would rule forever. So these guys possibly were well aware of this prophetic story and had seen the history that had already unfolded and now living in that Roman time. So it is also possible that these guys knew 
um, a lot more about this coming Messiah than perhaps we give them credit, although we can't be sure. But we could possibly say that if they were scholars, then they knew a lot about this Messiah because the Old Testament talks a lot about the coming Messiah. Interestingly enough, King Herod, who was on the in this story and the kids acted out, he too possibly well knew or had heard of this prophecy, this message that one day there was going to be a king that would take over and rule the Jews and so perhaps that's what made him so nervous. These wise men were searching men. Now I don't know about traditions in your homes but in our home we have a tradition when it's birthdays that on, on the most exciting present that the kids are looking forward to we create a treasure hunt and we put clues here and there so they have to find what they're looking for and uh, they eagerly go through that stage of clue one clue two searching you know the next clue could be in the washing machine or at the in the car or near the dishwasher or whatever it's one of those things you see the excitement as they are searching but you see that that dedication as they're looking here and there and searching. These wise men, they too were looking. They too were fascinated. They too were determined. And in fact, uh, again, I referred to this at the start of this series, that it was possibly well known too that in the non-Jewish community at the time of the Roman Empire, there was a bit of unsettle in their communities as well. They were a bit unsettled with the, the pagan um, gods and there was this change happening where they were starting to be curious about other gods um, and that possibly was the same for these guys, that they felt unfulfilled in their beliefs that they perhaps had grown up with in the East and they were willing to search out something else. They sought him out. And, you know, that seeking for these guys led to a huge commitment and you really think about it, we're not quite sure where they came from, but they left their homes, um, not in a jet plane, but possibly, uh, you know, on camels, and they actually travelled for perhaps weeks, maybe months, in search of. They, they committed this amazing time to their search. But in that search, they didn't go blind. They didn't go without any direction. We know that they had the prophetic word of what they had read and, and that guidance, um, but they had even more than that. So the first thing about these guys is they searched. The second thing is that they followed, and they didn't just follow blindly. They followed a star. Now, you could say perhaps the star, what was that star? Well, there are a couple of possibilities. Perhaps it was... A, an actual star, an actual thing that you see, you know, like we see uh, in the sky. Some scholars suggest that maybe it was a convergence of Jupiter and Saturn that made an extra large bright light, um, some kind of supernova or something like that, because there have been records of unusual planets, planetary and, 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 and star movements uh, and changes in history but the biggest 
um, problem that scholars had with that theory that maybe it was just a, a star was that this star moved and stopped in a specific trajectory. Um, we do know that the stars uh, in the sky seem to move to us, but that's because we're moving, not because they're moving, unless, of course, they're a comet or something like that. Um, so the fact that it stopped, and the Bible clearly says that it came over the place where the baby was and stopped, creates a little bit of a problem. The other option, of course, um, is that as Christians, we explore the fact that this bright light or star that has been termed was actually a heavenly light, a heavenly being sent from God, an angel, a group of angels. And in the past, in the Bible, it's um, common to see that God's presence is, is shown by light. Um, when, uh, when God passed by a man named Moses, it was a bright light. When, um, when the, in the Old Testament, they had a temple, and in the temple there was a special room called the Most Holy Place, and in that most holy place was a, a very special piece of furniture. And between, uh, on top of that furniture was God's presence shown by a, a very special light. And there are many other times in the Bible where God's presence is indicated or shown by a light. We also know that uh, in the Bible, the word star has often been referred to as a light that's to do with a heavenly body, a heavenly being, not just something created like the stars that we see at night. And the main reason that scholars see that this probably makes the most sense, that this light, that this star was actually a presence of God, is because of the fact that it did stop and move in the way that it did. There is only one other reference in the Bible, um, and it's written in Numbers, and it's actually to do with a story to do with Balaam, who was um, meant to give a message and ran away from God, but eventually he gives a message to another king. And perhaps this line or this part of the Bible has a, a meaning towards the future, but it says here, this is Balaam talking, he says, I see... But not here and now, I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. And perhaps that, that there was a, a prophecy for not just the situation that was happening then and now, but for Balaam, but for the future as well. As I said in our house, when we uh, have birthdays, and we, we get the kids to search. They don't search blindly. We set them little clues so that they can be guided to where they go. These wise men, they followed God. They followed, they were led by God. Uh, whether they recognized that or not, I'm not quite sure. But they were led by God, led by the Holy Spirit through the prophecy and through this star. This star gave them courage and faith. And determination. If you could just try and place yourself back in their space of they feel they've seen something that fulfills things that they have read, that they're willing to leave their home for many, many months to a place where perhaps they're not 100% sure where they're going, to me shows a very amazing amount of dedication. 
So not only did they search, but they followed and they acted on their search. The third thing that the wise men did was they gave. And you think about those three gifts, and again, we can't be 100% sure, but perhaps, again, as they have been studying and they knew more about who the Messiah was, that, that these gifts did have a meaning that they had planned for. And whether we know that or not, um, it is well known that the first gift of gold was a symbol for a king. And the second gift of frankincense was the symbol of a priest or a high priest as incense was burnt in the temple. And the third, myrrh, is a symbol of death. It was a very expensive um, commodity that was used for embalming a dead body. And whether they knew it or not, perhaps that symbolised what was to come for Jesus, that he would suffer and die. So whether they had a, an idea of the magnitude of, of these gifts and what they represented or not, we can't be sure. But what we do know is that they gave. And they gave generously. They gave lavishly. They gave the best they could have, they could bring. And it says in the Bible that the reason they gave is they came to worship. And then and as an act of worship, they gave. When I think about the boys, and I was almost going to pull up our latest video because our boys have just had their birthday, so I didn't want to embarrass them, of following them through their house and then when they get the present and that look on the face of like, ah, I found it, you know, that kind of thing. But when they find the present and then they open it up, the face just is full of, if I can use the word straight from the Bible, exceeding joy. Like there's this great joy because we've been whispering and we've probably brought something that they wanted um <laughs> you see the pivotal verses in this story in the wise men's story is verses 9 to 11 and in verses 9 to 11 it says the wise men rejoiced exceeding with great joy when the star stopped and they went in and they saw the messiah and worshiped him when that star stopped over the space where Mary and Joseph was, they stopped. They had exceeding joy. Now, joy can be expressed in many ways. Joy can be expressed with an elation or just an overwhelming emotion. Uh, um, but what I find is that you think, well, why? Why did they have that exceeding joy at that moment? And I believe it comes back to those, those things. They searched for the Messiah. They followed the prophetic signs, his leading, and then they found him, the saviour of the world. And finding the saviour of the world, finding the saviour of the world is a reason for great joy. And as a response to that, they gave as an act of worship. In the Christmas story, in the shepherd story, it also talks about joy in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Uh, almost identically, one is Matthew chapter nine, 2, verses 9 to 11. The other is Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. When Luke talks about the shepherd story, 
And the shepherds hear the angels say that the reason that there is great joy is because today there is born Emmanuel, God with us, peace on earth, hope of the world, a saviour, your saviour, Christ the Lord. And when we really let that sink in, that Christmas is about that, that born today, not literally, but born today, born today is Emmanuel, God with you, brings us peace in whatever we are going through, hope, knowing that we are saved, Christ your Lord. That is what brings us joy. To finish off today, uh, we're going to break up into some groups. We're doing this for the last few weeks here at Refresh. And um, we want to encourage you to have a little bit of interaction time. And uh, so what I invite you to do is to think about this, the story that we've talked about. I'm going to have some questions up here. And uh, my first thing is to encourage you to... Um, introduce yourself i'd encourage you to be in groups of four to six maybe sometimes it's best to turn around because then you're actually with people you don't always know and it's really good to be able to meet somebody new if that's really overwhelming for you that's okay stay where you feel safe um and if you're new here just just relax and feel at home um but we have some questions and you'll have to skip down those slides a bit thanks for finding them uh, and we're just going to give you some time to, to, there's three different groups of questions and um, just to have a chat between you about some of the things that we have been talking about today. So the first group's up there. So in a minute, I want you to break up into little groups, find a person around you, behind you, and there's three different questions there um, for you just to have a bit of a chat about. If you don't feel comfortable to share, that's absolutely fine. Um, just listen in. It's amazing what um, we can learn from each other. So we're going to break up into some group time now. Um, if you're on a lounge, you can move those lounges and tilt them. Some of them can uh, also find a little space with someone in, in a circle. So give you a few minutes to have some talk time and then we'll um, hear what a few of you have thought.
Okay, we're going to pop up the next slide. Some groups are finished. Some are still chatting, I know, but you can keep chatting on that. Um, the next slide here talks about the searching and the giving of the gifts. So have a look at there, see if there's a couple of questions there which that you can chat about in your groups. Or continue where you're at, that's fine. Here for you to have a look at. And this is talking about joy. So see if there's a question or two there to chat about in your group. Um, then we will we'll wrap up. A little bit of chatter um, and have time just to reflect on, on this story that we've been looking at today and hopefully get to know somebody a little bit better and if you're visiting us today that you felt welcome. I just want to finish off with this little thought um, written by a guy by the name of Dr. Wilt. He means, uh, I don't know him personally, <laughs> um, but he wrote something called the Joyful Noise Letter, in the Joyful Noise Letter, and he wrote this. What is joy? It is one of the most important things in the whole universe. C.S. Lewis calls it the serious business of heaven. Joy marks the difference between existence and life. Its presence upgrades survival to being. Joy is our enjoyment of God and the good things that come from God. And I also found this, which I've never heard of before, but some of you will have heard of joy. It's a saying, and if you're about my age or, or older, you might know it. I don't know if the youngers know this saying, but we used to sometimes say joy was Jesus first. What was the rest? Others next and yourself last. Um, and, you know, I suppose I in a noble way it's saying if we focus on Jesus and others, it can help us, not to say that we should neglect ourselves. But this little acronym I found uh, even, more, even better than that, I think. Joy is found in looking at the letters J-O-Y, J-Jesus, O-Offers, you a why you jesus offers you and this christmas jesus offers you the gift of life here and now full and abundant and also life eternal a purpose a hope and a future which therefore brings joy to our hearts and lives your part and my part is simply to accept the gift that jesus brings you this christmas and then give back to him a gift, which is your life. Let's just pray. Father God, as we pause at the end of uh, our series here, talking about what Christmas is about, and although, uh, God, out there, there's um, lots of excitement happening, lots of uh, Christmas trees and fairy lights, as we peel all that back, God, we're just so grateful for the gifts that you have blessed us with of love, of peace, of hope, and of joy. And God, the gift that we have of knowing you. And so we honor you today, the newborn King, the Christ, the Savior of the world, and we praise you. We ask, God, that through this Christmas season that we can bring some joy and hope and peace and love to each other and to those around us. 
We pray, God, for our broader school community and our broader refresh community that, God, each of us will know you this Christmas just that little bit more and that we will be safe and everybody here will be safe as we journey and travel and celebrate and be reminded, God, that you are indeed the joy of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. As you head off today, um, we'll play a song, um, Joy to the World. And just a reminder that Refresh is actually closed next week, but back on January 6th when New Year comes in. And if you're visiting us again, we're just so glad you came. We hope you have a wonderful time celebrating with family. And if you're part of us, we're so glad you came too. We pray that you have a wonderful year end. And um, Mark is kindly giving out a little gift for you from us at Refresh. Some have a little hanger on them. You can hang that on your Christmas tree or your your fridge door or wherever you like um, just to remind you this Christmas about Jesus. Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming. Stay and linger as long or as short as you like. And if you're kids, there should be a blue Christmas bag at the back. If you didn't get it, you can put all your Christmas bits in to take home with you.